You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Blow it out. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. 
Dimeji, a round of applause. Really growing as a song leader, you're doing a great job, Dimeji. We're going to sing Rise Up, O Men of God. Three, eight, four. <laughs> Rise up, O men of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the King of Kings. Rise up, O men of God, the kingdom's Harry's long. Bring in the day of brotherhood and then the night of wrong. Rise up, O men of God, the church for you doth wait. A strength unequal to our task, rise up and make a great. Lift high the cross of Christ, tread where his feet have trod. church turn to joshua chapter 13 we're going to dig into our lesson today hopefully you are fired up to hear the word of god preached i said hopefully you're fired up to hear the word of god preached okay i just gotta check on you right there make sure that we're in the lord let's have a prayer father i thank you so much for today we pray your spirit really bless our study today uh thank you so much for the incredible way you're moving in england in london father and throughout all the world thanks for the radical miracles in manila philippines the radical miracles father in india father the incredible conference in mexico city uh the good news that's going all around the world father that we are dividing and we are conquering the nations for your glory father we pray today father that as we go throughout the uh, the journey of building the kingdom of god father we know there are going to be times where we have to uh, have transition uh where dare we say we'll experience a little bit of turbulence yeah. and help us to be focused on you through those times we pray uh, that you bless today's study it's in jesus name we pray amen, amen. Joshua chapter 13. Joshua chapter 13. Joshua, of course, is given the name Joshua after his mother gave him the name Hosea. Hosea meaning, 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 well, 
Joshua meaning the Lord's salvation, Hosea just meaning salvation, and so he gets his name changed, and yet we understand from that principle that you can have your name changed. That your name may have been something like, it it could have been negative last year, it can be positive this year. It could have been critical last year, it could be cranking this year. Are you with me right here? And Joshua gets his name changed, and names are significant. Of course, uh, it's such a powerful testimony. The Bible says in chapter 1, hey, I'll give you every place you set your foot. And of course, that is what began to happen for the Israelites. God began to bless them. But he didn't bless them until they got consecrated. You remember that, right? They had to get pure. They had to get righteous. And then they crossed over the Jordan. Then they saw the miracles. And yet, if you want to see the miracles, you got to be in a right relationship with God. They watched the ark. They watched the presence. And because of the presence of God, they follow the presence. And the presence leads them to victory. Then, after they come through the, 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 the Jordan, then before they move on to chapter you know you think hey the church is all fired up hey let's move on they don't move on God tells them no you need to get circumcised <laughs> you need to circumcise after victory sometimes you can you can get a little too confident after a victory and, and you still need to cut a few things away kind of like cutting away the fact that victory came by your hand and not the hand of God are you with me here and so they had to do some things right there chapter 5 chapter 6 moves on Jericho gets taken out you remember that right they march around 6 days just marching and marching and marching around. And you may feel like that as a disciple sometimes. Whoa. You're just marching around and what am I doing? You're from tube station to tube station marching around. Don't you worry. The walls of Jericho are going to come down in England and we're going to see people rushing on in right there. They're going to have to build another O2 arena for us someday. Are you with me here? And so Jericho gets taken on out but then what do they do? They get in. They, they get a little overconfident, yeah. Yeah. and they get taken out by AI, a smaller city. Why? They fail to rely on God, and then, and 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 so they get humbled. And Joshua's so he he gets so convicted, he gets self piteous, and he starts even as a leader, he starts thinking about going back to the world, back to Egypt. Why did you bring us this far? And they don't look at the defeat in their life as a sin issue. They see it as a God issue. Yeah. You know, we always do that. Yeah. We start losing and we don't go, what sin am I in? We go, God, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and God goes, I'm, I'm awesome. <laughs> I'm holy, holy, holy. You're the one who needs to change. Yeah. And Joshua figures that on out, deals with the sin that's in the camp, and that was through Achan, right? right. And when you're in sin, you sure are Aiken. 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 Stuart Stewart told me to tell that one right there. I, I was going to do it. Uh, I just want to stay focused on, on the Lord right here. And Aiken, Aiken was hiding things. Remember that, right? He had those nice Babylonian you know, clothing right there. He wanted to look awesome in the eyes of the world. And, and he was hiding things. And so God had to deal with him and deal with the sin and, and, and help him to, to deal. And we remember that story it was very challenging because... Not only was it Achan who was in sin, but it was everybody in his household. You remember that, right? Why? He hid the sin in his household, in his own tent. And because there was sin at home and his family knew about it and they said nothing. The book of Leviticus says when you know about a sin, you don't do nothing. You're just as guilty. And so they were guilty by association. So not only Achan's taken out, his whole family's taken out. Because if you know there's sin going on and you do nothing about it, you're just as guilty. And so Achan gets taken out. The family gets So the fear of God comes up to church and they get back in focused in on the Lord right there. Are you with me here? And so things move on. Things progress. Uh, and then we come to, dare we say, chapter 13, where, where there's still some land 
that should be taken. And that's where we're going to pick it on up today. We'll try to get to chapter 24 and close on out. You guys with me here? You know, of course, when you think about lessons, you got to look at what God's doing in your life. And as I went over to Portland, I got a chance to go and, uh, in a sad way, had to go to a funeral there. And uh, it it was a tough time. Uh, But it was also a unifying time for the family uh, to see. They've been watching what I've been doing as a Christian for a while. And, 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 you know, one of the best uh, pieces of good news is when my cousin's uh, wife pulled me aside and says, listen, your cousin's been watching you. And he's been reading me the Bible consistently because he's watching you keep doing what you're doing. It brought a tear to my eye. Oh, brought a tear to my eye. Because we long to impact our families, do we not? Please be praying for my family. Uh, I really believe someone's going to become a disciple. And yet when we came back, you know, I, I, I hit what it was called turbulence. You ever hit turbulence? <laughs> you hit turbulence. You know what happens when you hit turbulence? You just It doesn't matter who you are. <laughs> doesn't matter if you're the captain. doesn't matter if you're business class. It doesn't matter if you're economy. It doesn't matter if you're at the back of the plane. Turbulence hits the entire plane. Are you with me here? And then you hear something that sounds like this, ladies and gentlemen. The captain has turned on the patent seatbelt sign. If you haven't already done so, please store away your carry luggage underneath your seat in front of you or in the overhead bin. Please take your seat and fasten your seatbelt. And also make sure you sit back and the folding trays, trays are in the up right position. You ever heard that right there before? Yeah. Of course, that's what you hear on the plane. Yeah. And then when that turbulence comes, you just, it I don't care how strong you are in the Lord, yeah. you, you get freaked out oh, when yeah. the turbulence comes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just come back and I felt good, had a good trade, and come back and then that turbulence hit. And we had some, some interesting turbulence that like literally shook the plane. And for a few seconds, I will admit, I, I thought, this could be it. <laughs> I could be dying. Oh, no. I'm dealing with death. Maybe this is it. And I kind of said a little short prayer. And then, you know, and then we kind of, we, then, then, then the pilot, or the, the, the guy driving the plane, he says, you know, he had to find that other, he says, we're going to find some better air. We've got we to fly at a different altitude to get out of the turbulence, to get over the turbulence. So he got to a different altitude. And, amen, I'm here to preach the word to you today. I, I didn't die. Amen, amen. And yet, spiritually, I think that's a lesson. That as a Christian, sometimes you face turbulence. Whether you're the pilot, whether you're business class or at the back, and it shakes you. And you've got to find an alternative route and fly at a different altitude through the turbulence. And yet, that's exactly what God's people needed to do. They they, they were experiencing a bit of turbulence, I believe, throughout their entire journey. Of course, in the first generation, they experienced so much turbulence during the Christian walk, many of them fell away. Many of them stopped being true Christians. The title of the lesson is simply Turbulence. Turbulence. And I put before you, turbulence happens with just life. Life brings turbulence. Kids get sick. A little turbulence. You get sick. A little bit more turbulence. Your bank account gets sick. Major turbulence right there. Right? And then sometimes, even when people fall away, that can cause turbulence in your faith. It can literally sometimes shake other disciples that someone turned their back on Jesus Christ and the fact that he died for them. It can shake you. But life itself brings turbulence. Joshua chapter 13 verse 1. You guys still with me here? 
says, when Joshua was old and well advanced in years, the Lord said to him, you are very old and there are still a very large area of land to be taken. This this has got to be the funniest scripture to me. You know, oftentimes God says, hey, be strong. Be courageous. Don't sin. Don't do this. I'm with you. And he has all these inspiring things. God comes to Joshua and says, Joshua, you're old. (laughs) He didn't say, you're getting old. No, no, no. Joshua, God said, yeah, dude, you're getting old. (laughs) You're you're old and and there's still much work to be done right there. God God encourages them with, you're getting old right there. And that fires up people like, Jamie Gordon right there. He knows he's getting old. That's why he's dating. He wants to get married real soon right there. And what's powerful is it says uh, you're very old, still very large areas of land to be taken over. And I think about that. You know, God has given us salvation, and yet there's still so much more land to be taken. There's so many people that need to take uh, the land of salvation that haven't taken it. Uh, it says in verse two, "This is the land that all remains, or that remains, all the regions of the Philistines, the Geshurites, and Sion River, east of Egypt, to the ter- territory of Ekron on the north, all of its counted Canaanite territory, the five Philistine rulers of Gaza, Ashad, Ashkenaz, Gath, Ekron, Evites, from the south, all the land of the Canaanites, from Ar the Sidonians, as far as Aphek, the region of the Amorites, the area of the Gebanites, and all the, the Lebanon to all the east, from Baal." Gad below Mount Hermon to Hamath. As for the inhabitants of the mountain regions from Lebanon to Misrath, Amain, that is all the Sidonians, I myself will drive them out before the Israelites. Be sure to allocate this land to Israel for an inheritance. As I've instructed you and as I've instructed you, and divide it as an inheritance among the nine tribes and a half tribe of Manasseh. And the church said, Amen. You know, it's powerful. God says, Hey, parts of the land, I'm going to drive out for you. You don't even have to do it. Uh, you just need to make sure that you divide things on up. Now, you got to understand, this is after seven, um, seven years of total. I mean, the Israelites have been cranking for seven years. 31 kings have been taken out. Can you imagine? All these different kings, false prophet kings. Can you can you imagine when the king of king of Hillsong gets taken out and we're meeting in Dominion Theater right there? You know, we just say, okay, appreciate the, you know, just get some real faith going here. So, so there, there was a great surge in the ministry. Uh, again, thirty one kings have been taken out, uh, and they did this in seven years. Uh, and yet, I really believe they still were struggling with transition. Because God has to come to them and says, "Hey, there's still land to be taken." Look at chapter eighteen. Chapter 18 says this in verse 1. The whole assembly of Israelites gathered at Shiloh and set up a tent of meeting there. The country was brought under their control. But there were still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. So Joshua said to the Israelites, How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? This is called the danger of idleness. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they got idle. And then it just says, appoint three men from each tribe. I will send them out to make a survey of the land. You know what's powerful is the message version of this same scripture says, how long are you going to sit around on your hands? Mm-hmm. Putting off taking possession of the land. Mm-hmm. Of course, in chapter 18, most of the enemies by this time were subdued. But the, the most clever enemy 
I think, is the enemy of idleness. All the enemies, you can, you, you can go study it. They, they've been taken out. But if there's one enemy against the Christian, it's, it's when you get idle. And, and you stop going after it. Are you with me here? Uh, God was calling them to, to transition from just settling to, to, to going after it. Uh, and I believe transition causes turbulence. Yeah. This was a transit. It, it, it can shake you when there's a transition and and, and, and things are different. Are you with me here? Yeah. And uh, it, it's awesome having our regions. Yeah. It's awesome making sure that we got the north, the east, the south. If we go back to chapter 13. It's kind of broken up in north, east, south. Uh, verse 2 and 3. Uh, these lands in chapter 13. Verse 2 or 3, everything that's listed there is talking about all the unconquered land in the south. Verse 4 through 6 is talking about the unconquered land in the north. Verse 8 through 14 is talking about all the unconquered land in the east. We didn't read it, but that's what it's talking about. And there's some west in there as well. But there's a transition that they gotta they got they gotta they gotta now start kind of kind of conquering and, and having regions. Yeah. <laughs> right? Where they're not all together. Uh, It's been great going to Regents. Has it not? Uh, Because it shows that we are conquering London. Uh, But going to Regents, going to this transition, this can cause a bit of turbulence. This can cause turbulence. It can shake up the church to find out who truly is a disciple. It can shake up to find out if you are more invested in the style of the church or the message of the church. It can find out whether you more are interested in the entertainment value of being in a big service or you truly believe that God has given you every place you set your foot and you want to be a part of the kingdom of God. I really believe transition has shaken things on up in London. It's it's, it's kind of, whoa, what are we doing? We're conquering the land. That's what we're doing. Remember the beginning. Divide and conquer. That, that's what we're doing. And yet I pray that transition doesn't shake you. Yeah. Yes. That there's a tranquility in transition. That you get closer to God and you begin flying at a different altitude. You take your prayer. You take your worship to a different altitude because we have started to divide and conquer the land. Are you with me here? Yes. You know, when we saw transition in L.A., it, it, was, it was very convicting because now people that, you know, whoa, I got to lead. Oh, absolutely. It's time for you to be a leader, brother. <laughs> whoa, I got to do the welcome. Absolutely. It's time for you to do the welcome. Whoa, I'm not doing as much as I thought. No, you're not. But don't worry about it. God is still with you. And transition can throw us. I pray that we, we are a church that embraces transition. Yes. Yes. This is a part of conquering the land. Yes. We've got to embrace it. By chapter 18, they, they, they stopped embracing transition and they settled. That's why they got idle. They got so comfortable. They're just kicking back. And that's why he says, how long are you going to sit there on your hands? Transition. Take the land. Build the church. Start Birmingham. Get Birmingham going. Let's get Manchester going. Let's start it. Let's get a remnant going, a group going there in in Ireland. Let's start to Ireland. Let's get Ireland on the map right there. How long are you going to sit there, guys? You're getting old right here. He says, Joshua, you're getting old. You're sitting around. And, you know, some of us right here, you're looking good, but we we are getting old. We're 
we're not those young whippersnappers right there. You know, I love Demagi, right? He just gets up there and, you know, he can go. But but some of us, you know, we, we you know, we're, 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 amen. We'll just leave it there. Let's let transition cause us to fly at a different altitude. Let's not let it cause major, major turbulence. Amen? Number two, I really believe age causes turbulence. Age causes, when you get a little bit older, you know, things, you, you start feeling things that you've never felt before. You start having injuries that you, it's not even an injury, it's called you're getting old. You're growing older. Uh, and I really believe that even though you grow older, you can do great things for the Lord, no matter how old you are. Chapter 14. Chapter 14. I love this passage right here. Verse 6. It says, Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephthah the Kesnite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old. When Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. He says, when I was in my 40s, I was in my prime. We got any 40-year-olds in the house? You are in your prime, Martin Scott. And you look at Martin. He looks like he's in his prime, doesn't he? He's getting in better shape. He's got a smile going. He's preaching the word. He's not getting old right there. He says, I was 40 years old when the Lord brought me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. He says, I brought him back a report according to my convictions. You know, you got to ask yourself, what is your report about London? According to your convictions. Is this a place that's wide open? Just waiting to be conquered. What is your conviction about the kingdom? What is your conviction about seeking and saving those who are lost? What is your conviction about keeping the church pure? Caleb had conviction. And the Bible just says, I brought you back. He says, but my brothers... Who went up with me made the hearts of the people sink. I, however, followed the Lord how? Wholeheartedly. The Bible says he followed wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, The land on which you have your feet have walked will be your inheritance, and that of your children forever, because you followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. There it is again. Now then, just as the Lord promised. He has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. Anybody 85? Nobody's 85. Not even Mama Sue's 85. Thank you. But let me tell you something. Mama Sue's fired up. Yes, I am. She's she's sitting in the front row. I don't know. Some of you in the back row. I I wonder how you're doing really spiritually. But he says, hey, so so here I am to 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to the battle now as I was then. Give me the hill country. That's the most challenging ministry right there. He wants the toughest part of the land. He doesn't want the easiest ministry because he's getting old now. Let's got to slow it down. Can't we we got to get getting old, Amber. How long the sermon's going to go here? It's getting old. You know, we've got the kids getting old here. Just, we got we got to calm down. We got to we got to sit on our hands. We got to relax. You see, that's not his heart. He says, "Give me the hill country that the Lord promised me that day." 
you yourselves heard that the Anakites were there. You know the Anakites were. They were the giants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were the giants. He says, I want, the, I want where the, 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 these giants are. Give me, the, give me the most challenging aspect of ministry. Wow. I mean, Caleb's like, I want the campus ministry. I want the giants. I want the young people like Deji. I want these, these little giants. They, they got giant, you know giants, giant egos. Yeah. Yeah. Giant education, mm-hmm. yeah. giant vocabulary. Yeah. I can listen to Deji pray, and we think I can just sit down and just let Deji do the prank right there. <laughs> but Caleb had a heart to go after the most challenging side of the ministry, the hill country, where the Anakites were. The cities were large and fortified, the Bible says. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said, then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephna, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephna, the Kezanite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel. How? Wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Isn't that powerful? Yes. Three times the Bible says he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. And yet I really believe age can cause turbulence. But you're never too old to do great things for God. That's what you learn from Caleb. You're never too old to do radical, awesome things for God. I I just got a question to ask, not even the rest of the church, just the North region. I I got a question. Do do you think you're too old? No. No, no, no. Do you think you're just too old to do anything great anymore? No. You know, back in the day, man. I was something else. You know, way back in the day, I used to be fired up. I Oh, let me tell you what I did back in the day. You want to know how it was. Those old time stories. Yeah, you know, some of us got some good old stories. And yet, I, I, I want to ask you, you got any good young stories? Some new stories. Caleb didn't want to get old. He didn't want to give up and think, because I'm getting old, I can't do anything great for God. Johann Wolfgang Goeth, at 80, completed Faust. Michelangelo completed his greatest work at 87. Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes set down some of his most brilliant legal writings at the age of 90. At 89, pianist Arthur Rubinstein though he couldn't see the keyboard, played incredibly brilliant at Carnegie Hall. Mm -hmm. Albert Schweitzer, he led the hospital in Africa at the age of 89 years old. At 82, Winston Churchill wrote his four-volume work, A History of the English-Speaking... He was 82 when he did it. A History of the English-Speaking People. At 81, Ben Franklin effected the compromise that led to the adoption of the United States Constitution. I don't even think these guys were disciples. No. No. I think some of us think we're just too old to do anything. Mm-hmm. I think some of us think that way. This passage teaches us not only are you not too old to do anything, but you're also not too young to do anything. Yeah. We got any young people in the house. Yep. Yeah. 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 I said we got any young people in the house. Yeah. 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 
You know, age causes turbulence. When you get in those teen years, all of a sudden, the emotions start going right there. You start realizing some things. You start to, I look at my son, Michael Adrian. He's hilarious. He's now starting to get cool. You know, he's doing his hair. You know? And I saw him the other day. He did his hair. And he's like, yeah. And he started, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm figuring some things out. Yeah. And I go, and I go, wow, okay, right there. This guy's getting, he's getting, he's, as Michelle said, he's becoming a, a dude. <laughs> and it's, it, it's great because he's got great goals. He says, I want to go to top university. I want to play sports. I, I want to do great things. And it's so inspirational. And yet, I, I put before you, if you are young, you're never too young to set great goals for God. Age causes turbulence, especially those young years. You start feeling things. You start wondering. You start figuring things on out. And sometimes age can shake you. Getting too old can shake you in your faith. Sometimes because you're young, it can shake you in your faith. Don't let age shake you. Don't let age cause turbulence in your life. Caleb is personally encouraging for me because as you study his life, the Bible says that Caleb was a son of Jephna, the Kesonite. The Kesonites were not Israelites. The Kesonites were were non Christians. They were Gentiles. Okay? So he was the son of a the son of Jephna, the Kesonite. So Basically, he was not one of the Israelites. He probably was a, a convert to Judaism. Okay, The name Caleb means dog. No Israelite would name their kid a dog. Because dogs were not seen as powerful. They, they, they were not, you know, it wasn't kind of like how we are today where we got our dog and we got to leave our dog and stuff like that. I know Stuart shared that today. Amen. <laughs> but back in the day here, this wasn't like dogs were so special. And his name means dog. So most likely his parents... Most likely his parents abandoned him and left him in Egypt. I mean, he was left there. Can you imagine growing up with that name? Imagine growing up with your parents not really believing in you. Naming you a dog. And yet he had this incredible, incredible faith. This radical faith where he didn't allow his life circumstances to steal his faith in God. Mm-hmm. And even though he, he probably was not the apple of his parents' eye, he, he joined God's people mm-hmm. and he became special. You know, there are many of us in this room who have family situations where we were raised, where we weren't really seen as special. And yet when you become a sold-out disciple and you join God's kingdom, you are special in the eyes yeah. of God. Yeah. You're special in the eyes of God. Yes. I want to persuade you, if you feel that way, or you felt that way. I'm sure Caleb had to have felt that way. Mm-hmm. But he joined God's people. He, he developed a deep faith in God. Mm-hmm. And he never let age deter him right. and shake him in his faith. Mm-hmm. If age is shaking you in your faith, you need to start flying at a different altitude. Mm-hmm. You need to stop going, I'm too old to go into ministry. Mm-hmm. I'm too old to be fruitful. I'm too old to reach out to campus students. You need to stop saying, I'm too young to become a disciple. I'm too young to want to be an evangelist. I'm too young to want to be a, be a business owner, be a church. I'm too young. No, 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 no. Do not let age shake you in your faith. 
Don't let it happen. Caleb didn't. You shouldn't as well. Amen. 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 What else causes turbulence? Well, let's move on here. Let's go down to chapter 20. This is a powerful. A lot of things happen here. The Bible says in chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge, as I instructed you through Moses, so that anyone who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood when he flees to one of these cities. He is to stand in the entrance of the city gate and state his case before the elders of that city. Then they are to admit him into their city and give him a place to live with them. If the avenger of the blood pursues him, they must not surrender the one accused because he has killed his neighbor unintentionally and without malice or afterthought. He is to stay in the city, in that city, until he has stood trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest who is serving at that time. Then he may go back to his home and back to his own home in the town from which he fled. Right, right here, this is just an incredible foreshadowing of Jesus. <laughs> He's talking about, he says, you guys, you need to, you, he tells you, you got to, first of all, this wasn't Joshua's idea, it was God's idea. <laughs> to set up a city of refuge. And yet, in many ways, that is the church. <laughs> it, it is our refuge. It's our city of refuge. <laughs> you know, we come there and we get refuge. Uh, and yet, on a deeper, deeper, deeper thought, I, I want to challenge you to believe that not only is the church, but, but really, before the church is your refuge, Jesus is your refuge. Yeah. Yeah. And what's yeah. powerful here is, it says, hey, if someone's chasing you, it's <laughs> trying to kill you, you, know, you see that. And historically, they had these huge signs that said, refuge, refuge, big, huge signs. So if you were being pursued, you could see the city of refuge, and you could flee to it. The gates were always open. And you would not be killed because you would see the sign and you would flee. You'd come to the crossroads and you would come to Jesus, there we say. Because I believe this is a foreshadowing of Jesus being our refuge. Jesus being the place we can flee to when transition starts to shake us. Going back to God and letting Jesus be our refuge. Now the powerful thing here is if you're guilty, you had to stand trial. Mm-hmm. And if you're found guilty, then you get found guilty. Mm-hmm. The powerful thing about Jesus is we're all guilty. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you stand trial, you're, you're guilty. <laughs> you, you're a sinner. You're evil. You're wicked. You're bad. You, 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 you need that forgiveness. Yeah. It wasn't like here where if you didn't do it, then okay, he didn't do it. He gets off. No, with Jesus, it doesn't matter whether you did it or you didn't do it. You're still you're, you're guilty. Yeah. Uh, and you can be pardoned. Here you couldn't be pardoned. Highlighting the New Testament is a bit more more powerful than, than the old and the fact that Jesus, the, the eternal sacrifice, takes away all of our sins. We were, we were all those people that, that, that needed to flee to Jesus. You know, one of the things that needs to happen in the church is Jesus needs to become our refuge. Yeah. Amen. We, we need to be a church where transition doesn't shake us. Age doesn't shake yeah. us because Jesus is our refuge. And as I've kind of gone through the church, I've really been able to, first of all, in my own life, make sure that Jesus is my refuge, mm-hmm. that I'm running to God, that I'm having powerful times in my relationship with God. You know, if there's one thing that shook our church last year, it's because people didn't see Jesus as their refuge. Yeah. 
Turbulence in marriage. My husband's my refuge. Turbulence in your marriage. My wife's my refuge. Turbulence in your parenting. My kids are my refuge. Turbulence in your ministry. My leader is my refuge. Turbulence in the church. The church is my refuge. No, no. Nothing supersedes God. And there are many areas of the church where, 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 where I found that disciples just weren't out walking with God. You're just not. And I just got to ask you today as your brother, are, are you, are you, is Jesus really your refuge? Yes. Transit, turbulence is a part of life. Life is turbulent. If Jesus isn't your refuge, you're going to get shaken. You're going to get shaken when the ministry, when things happen in life. If Jesus, this is what shook up our movement in, the first, in our former fellowship. Yeah. You had disciples that did not have, they were not rooted in Jesus. When things got challenging, they didn't go to Jesus. They didn't go to God. They didn't go to their Bibles. They didn't go to prayer. Sometimes relationships were their refuge. And there's no refuge that's a greater relationship than your relationship with God. How was your walk with God? Honestly, what are you learning about you and God? Not you and your ministry, just you and God. Is Jesus the city of refuge for you through transition? You know, we've taken on the task of reading the entire Bible. I I, I pray that you are going after reading the entire Bible. I mean, it sounds kind of not very challenging to say, hey, I read the Bible in a year. (laughs) But that is our goal. And and we we here, we got to set the pace. I long for many of you to come and say, hey, bro, I finished half the Bible. I finished half the Bible. I'm just waiting for some of you to come say, hey, bro, I'm one third done. I'm waiting for the sister. Bro, I, I read I I'm I got a third of the Bible read. I'm learning some things. We gotta be a fellowship where we are starting to inspire one another, where Sunday service is filled with juicy morsels of scriptures, of nuggets, that we are talking about what we're learning in our relationship with God. Not just hey, we need to hang out, but no, what are you learning in your relationship with God? I mean, even today, you need to be able to have something to share. Can you preach your quiet time? Come on, bro. If something happened to me and I went down like our brother Yuri, do you have enough faith to inspire the rest of the North region? How is your walk with God? Honestly, we've got to make Jesus our refuge. Transition will come. Age will come. All kinds of things will come. They will be turbulent. But if Jesus is our refuge, nothing will shake you. Amen? Chapter 22. I love this one here. You know what else can cause turbulence? Pride. Pride. I got a lot. I can tell you for days, but I'll just tell you a little bit here. I got a lot of those those Perizzites and Jebusites and Hittite prides in my life, and I've had to deal with them. Uh, This here is a powerful story here in chapter 22. It says, Then Joshua, some of the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and he said to them, You've done all that Moses' servant of the Lord commanded. You've obeyed me in everything I've commanded. For a long time now, to this very day, you've not destroyed, deserted your brothers, but you've carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. Now the Lord your God has given you, has given your brothers rest as he has promised 
Return to the homes in the land that Moses' servant of the Lord gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But be careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you to love the Lord your God with all your love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to obey him in his commands, to hold fast to him and to serve him with heart and all yours. So then Joshua blessed them and sent them away. And they went to their homes. So everybody gets blessed right here. They go to their homes, they've conquered, they've got some plunder, and now now they're going home. And the Bible just says, verse 9. Uh, so the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh left the Israelites at Shiloh in Canaan and returned to Gilead, their own land, which they had acquired in accordance with the command of the Lord through Moses. When they came to Gilead near the Jordan and the land of Canaan, the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar there by the Jordan. Mm-hmm. Now you got to understand, there's only one altar. It's not supposed to be two altars. Because there's only one church. You don't have two churches. You may have a bunch of churches all a part of one church. But you don't have two altars here. And, and, and if you were Jewish, you knew you, you're not supposed to be doing that. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 1 through 4. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 12 through 16 talks about it. It says, hey, you do that, that is wrong. You're setting up another altar other than the one we've already designated. That other altar is actually an idol. And anybody who does that needs to be killed. That was what it was. So they knew this. But they set up another altar. It says, when the Israelites heard that they had built an altar on the border of Canaan at Gilead near the Jordan on the Israelite side, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them. This is a civil war in the church. (laughs) You had all the brothers and sisters that really knew it was a sin. They go, uh oh, okay. Well, They've stopped being our brothers. Let's go kill them. <laughs> Let's go take them out. <laughs> Bible says this. So the Israelites sent Phineas. You remember Phineas, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Numbers chapter 25, he goes in and shish kebabs them right there. <laughs> what says, so the Israelites sent Phineas, son of Eliezer, the priest of the land of Gilead, to Reuben, and a half, uh, half tribe of Manasseh. With him, with the ten chief men, one from each tribe of Israel, each in the heads of the family divisions among the Israelites. When they went to Gilead, to Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they said, the whole assembly of the Lord says, how could you break faith with God of Israel like this? How could you turn away from the Lord and build yourselves an altar in rebellion against him now? Verse two, uh, 22, the mighty one, God, the Lord, the mighty one, God, the Lord, he knows. And let Israel know if this has been in rebellion or disobedience to the Lord, don't spare us this day. If we have built our own altar to turn away from the Lord, to offer burnt offering and grain offering or sacrifice fellowship offerings on it, may the Lord himself call us to count. No, we did it for fear that someday your descendants might say to ours, you do not. What you do, what do you have to do with the Lord, the God of Israel. We stop right there. What happened? Part of the church developed an altar on the other side of the Jordan. Now remember this, but they crossed the Jordan, you remember that, right? Yeah. And there's the conquer, right? But they purposely went back to their land and, and, and so they got way out there. Okay? And and instead of just getting some advice about what they wanted to do, fear crept in. Right. 
They didn't have the relationship, so they would have made a phone call or called Joshua and said, hey, we're kind of out here. We're kind of feeling like, hey, we don't, you know, there's a big distance between us. We don't want to, you know. So they took it upon themselves to, to, to erect another altar. And the other side of the church said, wait, this is rebellion. This is apostasy. This is, this is division. This is wrong. Now, there's a lot of lessons here. There's a lot of lessons here. Number one, you've got to commend the, the side of the church that's got deep conviction. That understands you put conviction over relationship. And they were ready to go to war against it. You also got to see the pride of the group that built the other altar. Very proud, number one, did not tell anyone, did not get any advice, knew that it was going against Old Testament law, knew that it would be a sign of idolatry, even though they unintentionally did it and they, that wasn't what they were doing, that wasn't what their, their heart was, they still knew the Old Testament law and still didn't get input, didn't get advice, didn't, didn't talk to the other tribe, didn't say, hey brothers, here's what we're going to do. And so it was read that, hey, you guys start another church. There's only one place we offer sacrifices and now you're creating another place. You're creating an easier gospel in some ways. You don't want to come all the way back over here to offer your sacrifices. Pride causes turbulence. The group that built that second altar just did it in pride. Pride can cause turbulence. Had they been humble and just got some input and been unified, it would have been a nice, pretty smooth flowing deal. Joshua said, hey guys, don't, don't build another altar. Just just come on over here. Or, okay, we understand your heart behind it. Okay, I guess we'll allow it since you're just setting it up as a memorial. You're not saying there's two different places of worship. Okay, we get it. We, we've got to be a people of humility. We've got to be a people of humility. Their, their pride in setting up that other altar just, just hurt the church. Sometimes the other altar is just you. Sometimes you are the other altar. Your selfishness, your will, what you want to do. And this can hurt you. This can hurt you. You know, I'm so proud of uh, the young lady who's come to be baptized today, Natasha. Come on. You know, she's she's not only only got an incredible singing voice, I can't wait to hear her sing. But, uh, you know, I I asked her, I said, what's been the biggest thing for you to give up? She says, you know, really just me. (laughs) You know, the selfishness. Kind of me, what I I want, what I think, myself, my independence. And yet, we we all have to remember that we gave up ourselves when we got baptized. It is no longer you who is living, it's Christ who's living through you. Everything you say because you have the Holy Spirit, Jesus is in you. He listens to it. Amen. Everything you watch, because you have the Holy Spirit, Jesus watched that with you. Mm-hmm. Whatever you looked at last night, whatever you saw, whatever you thought, Jesus saw it. Jesus thought it because Jesus is inside of you. It's no longer you who are, who are living. The altar of God is in your heart. You are now a true disciple. If there's one thing that's going to have to change for us to really be the North region at Concord, is we've we got to get rid of these other altars. There's only got to be one altar, and that's God. Oh, it can't be. It can't be the altar of our own will, our own yeah. our own glory, our own ambition. Oh, Natasha says, "Hey, I'm I'm getting rid of me. I'm getting rid of what I think. I'm getting rid of what I believe. I'm going to go with what the Bible thinks. Yeah. The Bible says, uh, I know my family isn't necessarily 
uh, 100% behind it, but it doesn't matter because i got to go by what the scripture says. And she's getting baptized later on in the day. Come on. Awesome. Awesome. And yet, taking the position of humility. Pride causes turbulence. The other thing to notice is perspective. Now, the negative about the other tribe is they were ready to go to war first. <laughs> That's the first thing they do. I'm going to take you off. You're not people. <laughs> when really, if they would have taken the time to be a bit more humble, realize that there's a different perspective. They would have been able to. Ah, oh, that's why. Now let me let me let me introduce something. We're getting we're we're going to regions now. Now that we are in regions, we're a bit more spread out, kind of like the Israelites. Mm-hmm. There are going to be several times where the, you're going to hear something and think something, and and one man seems right till another one comes forward and questions them. Mm-hmm. Do not make assumptions. Mm-hmm. Don't even make assumptions in your marriage. Mm-hmm. Don't do it, because if you assume, you get yourself in trouble. You get yourself because both groups had two totally different perspectives. It almost created a civil war. You cannot evangelize the nations in one generation and not have a whole bunch of different perspectives. I look around. We got English perspective. We got we got British perspective, and that's different from London perspective. Those are three different countries right there. We've got Dutch perspective there, you know, like this. Dutch Dutch has a perspective, right? We got the Irish perspective right there. Now they are called the Fighting Irish right there. So I don't know which camp you'd have been in there right there, bro. But they're 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 fighting for the Lord right there. So they they got a perspective, right? You got the American perspective. You got the African perspective. You got the young people's perspective. They have a perspective on the kingdom. They, they got a view of how things should be. Right? And there's so many different perspectives. And perspective can cause turbulence when we hear a different perspective. John the Baptist almost fell away because he had a different perspective of what the ministry should look like than Jesus. John the Baptist goes, wait a minute. You come all the way up from the south. You hear, I'm your cousin, I go to jail. And the first thing you do is go and share your faith. You don't get me out of jail. What's up? Leave me in jail. I'm John the Baptist. I'm out in the desert. I've got the locusts and wild honeys. I'm preaching. You leave me in jail. And the Bible says later on, John says, are you the one that was to come or should we expect someone else? You're hanging out with sinners and leave me. I don't know. And it was Jesus' style that really threw him. His perspective. We've got to be a a church where perspective doesn't cause turbulence. And if it does, it's got to not cause enough turbulence to make you want to take out your brother, take out your sister. We've got a whole bunch of different perspectives here. And that's the reason why we have a Bible. So we can get back to what the Bible teaches on who's the leader, who's not the leader. Who's here? Who's there? Yeah. And it and it really and it really brings it back on home, because the only perspective that really truly matters is God's perspective. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And lastly, chapter twenty four. Chapter twenty four. This is the end. Josh was at the end of his life, about one hundred and ten years old. That's all. He's a young one hundred and ten, uh, and. He's fired up right here, and he has one of his farewell speeches to the to the disciples. Uh, and he says this here in verse 14. 
He says, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, I mean, we can say, sometimes as a Christian, serving God seems undesirable. You ever been there? Yeah. Where it's just not so desirable. You, 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 you don't want to serve the Lord. You just want to serve yourself. And that seems more desirable. You just want to sit back and eat a bunch of food. Cars, put your feet up, gain weight, watch a match, have a pint, get old. <laughs> and then you start going, wait a minute, this isn't as desirable as I thought. You go into McDonald's, you're loving it. <laughs> Later on that night, you're hating it. And you just, just the desire for self. That's the world we live in. Everything in this world persuades you to love you. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's true. Selfies. Mm-hmm. Twitter. Look at yourself online. Facebook. What's your status? No, what's your status with God? Mm-hmm. You know, everything is just designed for you, mm-hmm. not God. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, after all these incredible miracles that they saw, they crossed the Jordan. They saw the walls of Jericho fall. Mm -hmm. And Joshua has to come to him and goes, he still sees that there are members who, who, there wasn't a desire to serve God. Mm -hmm. At the end of his life, 110 years old, and he still has to say the same sermon. He didn't just say it just to be saying it. He says, serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. He says, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Were the gods your forefathers? Serve beyond the river or the gods of Amorites. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. I guarantee his wife heard that. Yeah. Yeah. I guarantee she was sitting in the front row going, <laughs> you know, it's like, as for me and my household, he says, this is not a debate. He says, I'm going to have a Christian household. You know what causes turbulence? Marriage. Mm-hmm. Got any marriage in the house? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Marriage can cause a little bit of turbulence, can't it? Yeah. Marriage is like two rivers coming together. But when they come together, you got all that white foam in the beginning, right there. And then it smooths out right in the end, right there. You know, you just have that turbulence right there. I remember getting married to Michelle. I was so fired. Up. I remember she came down the aisle and, and they put the music. I had Michael Jackson. <laughs> I was doing the Michael Jackson. Michelle was coming. I was so excited. And she came down. I, I got so excited. This is so embarrassing. I did the splits. Oh. <laughs> and then Michelle came down to this tranquil music. She's a little angel. You know, she came down. It was awesome. And, 
And then she got up there, and then, and they said, "Do you take her?" And I said, "Yes, you take him. Yes." And then I was I was super fired up. And that's the difference between see Michelle. I, I'm super fired up all the time. Michelle's like, "Can you calm down, please?" <laughs> and I was so fired up. You may kiss the bride. I just go. <sighs> oh, I, 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 and I think Michelle was like this. I, I, he, 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 he is, 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 is coming, coming, coming to, to kiss, kiss, kiss me. That's how it must have sounded to her. Because as I went in, I, like this, I go in, my lips like gonna engulf her head right there. But for a kiss, and Michelle goes, ah! And she turns to the side like this, and I kiss her on the cheek. And I went, okay, we got a different perspective right here. I thought, okay. I, I said, okay, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. So then I go, okay, first day of marriage. Awesome. Hey, I'll just treat Michelle just like the brothers. You know, in the brothers' household, we get up at 5 o'clock. We're fired up. We preach. We're really strong with each other. Yeah, I'll treat Michelle like that. So I just was military style. And she wake up and I say, hey, Michelle, how you doing? You wait, she's You're going to get up? You're going to have a quiet time? I just had a quiet time. I had a prayer. I want to share my quiet time with you. She's like, can you leave me alone? You know? And it just was just like, we just, two totally different styles. <laughs> and we just came together and just was like white froth in the beginning. And uh, we, we had some of the most hilarious fights. We look back nowadays, it just was hilarious. Just God really working on the both of us to be humble, uh, to be spiritual, uh, to understand that God knew that marriage causes turbulence. Yeah. Uh, and I've learned so much from Michelle about really trying to be more tactful and, and not blessing. You know, there's that scripture says, he who blesses his neighbor early in the morning will be taken as a curse. I never saw that in the Bible until Michelle read it to me. Yeah, bless, he who blesses his neighbor loudly in the morning will be, see, she's still helping, loudly in the morning will be taken as a curse. Yeah, so Michelle's the one who shared that scripture with me. He who bless, and, then I, and, I, and, then I, and I said, honey, as for me and our, our household, we will serve the Lord. We're going to have quiet times. Right? Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. We're going to, we're going <clears> to, <throat> a true man of God doesn't make it optional to have a Christian household. No. Mm-hmm. It's not an option. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not an option for the wife to submit or not. Right. Yeah. If it's an option, you're not a Christian. Yeah. Because you don't believe in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you don't believe in leading your, your wife, it's because you don't believe in this aspect of being a Christian. Yeah. Joshua didn't ask any advice about it. He says, no, this is for me and my, that's everybody in the household. I don't care what they're teaching at school. Mm-hmm. Atheism is wrong. You will yeah. serve the Lord. Yeah. Yes. Humanism is wrong. We will serve the Lord. Amen. There's no such thing as gender transition. You're a little oh, boy. No, 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 no. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're a boy. That's right. There's no transition. You don't transition to something else. No. Amen. You are a little boy. Yes. Let me show you the story of Pinocchio. You'll always be a boy. No matter what anyone says, mm-hmm. you're always, be, you know, Pinocchio, remember the story, the nose grew. There's yeah. no way you're around it. You, you, you know, he wanted to be a boy so bad. Just a puppet, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. This has got to be deeply in the hearts of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. There is there, no options in the church of not having a Christian home. Yeah. 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 It's just not an option. That's, that's not what Joshua says. It's optional. Now, we know marriage causes turbulence. We understand it. It causes turbulence. Mm -hmm. But God is trying to get you both to heaven. Mm 
Yes. Marriage is to make you holy, not happy. Yes. Jesus died on the cross not to make you happy. He died on the cross to make you holy. Amen. Because you can't make yourself holy. You need Jesus' forgiveness and his blood sacrifice yes. so that you can make it into heaven. Yes. Right? And so marriage, physical marriage, models the marriage of Jesus and the church. How do we get to heaven? By his holy sacrifice. And he takes us on to heaven with us. Our marriages should be to make sure that we are holy and we get each other to heaven. Amen. My goal is to get Michelle to heaven. Amen. Yeah. She may kick and scream sometimes. <laughs> but I'll put on the earmuffs and, and get her to heaven. Yeah. Right? Right? This, this is what we got, we got to do. Right? She believes in serving God over me, so she'll tell on me if I'm not doing the right things in the household. That's called having a discipling church. Right? So we don't have secrets in our households. Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He understood that there's probably some turbulence right there. Because it doesn't say his wife was like, yeah, me too. No, he, he was the only one who had to lay it out. And that causes turbulence sometimes as a leader when you have to lay things on out. Uh, I, persuade, I want to persuade you today to believe in having a Christian household. Everybody. It's not an option. Marriage causes turbulence, but just like in every plane flight, turbulence doesn't last the entire flight. We're going to land, and by faith, we're going to land in heaven, and we're going to have all the passengers with us that we've studied the Bible with, that we've called on this great plane called the kingdom that we take all the way up to heaven. We're going to have all perspectives, all nations in it. We're going to remember the struggles no more. No more tears, no more mourning, no more crying. We're going to have black, white, Asian, everybody. We're going to be in heaven together. The turbulence will be gone. It'll be the last thing you think about. You'll be in heaven. You'll be fired on up right there, and God will be glorified. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's our lesson for today. Amen. Let's all stand. First uh, Corinthians 10 says, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. And we're going to sing, To Canaan's land, I'm on my way. And that couldn't be a better song than to finish off on Joshua today who went in and took possession of Canaan's land. We're going to sing this amazing hymnal which is actually 103 years old. To Canaan's land, I'm on my way.
Dims, there'll be no sad farewell, there'll be no tear dim eyes. Where all is peace and joy and love, and the soul of man never dies. Please be seated. Well, amen. Great to be in the kingdom of God, amen. This is the time of the service where we remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes. But first of all, guys, let's give it up for Micah here. Yeah. You know, I kind of have an idea last week what it takes to prepare a sermon. It takes a lot to prepare a sermon, man. Yeah. It's not easy to prepare a sermon. It drains you physically, spiritually, emotionally, it drains you every way. But Micah makes it look easy. Remember, I always remember Micah when the, the old movement fell away, Micah didn't follow it. Yeah. He had a conviction. He wanted to keep making disciples, even the old movement fell away. I always respect him for that. Amen. Yes. So today we're going to be looking at the cross, obviously, maybe from a bit different perspective. Go to John chapter 19, please. Come on. Come on. John chapter 19, verse 28. Bible says here, later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Even the last minute, Jesus was looking to fulfill the scripture. Amen. Amen. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so he soaked a sponge in it, put a sponge on a a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received a drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Mm. Now just focus on what Jesus said here. It is finished. Mm. I mean, in some respects, this must be one of the greatest understatements of all time. <laughs> it is finished. Right. Think about Jesus, what achieved here. Mm. He achieved eternity. Yeah. <laughs> he achieved something eternal. Mm-hmm. Now what do we do in our life? We achieve something like we do the hoovering. It's finished, honey. <laughs> hoovering is finished. <laughs> the game is finished. It is finished. Oh. It's over. But there's another game tomorrow. Man. <laughs> but Jesus did something that lasted forever. Amen. Think about his life. You know, we, we think about Jesus when he showed his scarce to his disciples. Mm. The other aspect of it, um, is John, Isaiah 52, I was reading yesterday, he said, um, he's so disfigured by that of any man. Mer beyond human likeness. Mm-hmm. Think I was thinking, about, you know, reading something there about um, why didn't the disciples recognise him a few times? <laughs> why didn't they recognise him? <laughs> we know he got a crown of thorns. Yeah. Maybe some of them scars are still there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't recognise him because <laughs> he could have been un- literally maybe unrecognisable until he did a miracle. They knew he was right. it was Jesus. Wow. Jesus maybe had more scars than just the scars in it, torn and it. Right. Jesus had a lot of scars. Yeah. You go through the, what Jesus went through, I'm sure he has a lot of scar. Mm. And we need to have scar for Jesus. Amen. 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 So his victory of, of, over Satan was for all time. Satan cannot do anything. We can't improve upon Jesus' victory. We come before you today, Jesus has completely um, you know, defeated Satan on the cross. Yeah. We don't have to do that. We just have to believe and live a life of belief. Amen. Amen. Yeah. No, just to quote Winston Churchill, or to rephrase Winston Churchill, never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to one man. Mm. <laughs> That's Jesus Christ, amen? That's right. Yeah. We're going to go now to Joshua 14 because um, the way the Holy Spirit works. Yes. Michael's already actually <laughs> preached this, but um, the, the Spirit works in an amazing way. Okay? Here we are, Joshua 14, verse 6, the Bible says, Now the men of Judah approached Joshua Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephaniah, Kenlai said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went with me made the hearts of the people sing. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day Moses swore to me, The land in which your feet have walked will be inheritance and that of your children forever. 
that you follow the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, what Israel most about in the desert. So here I am, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as big as to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourselves right. heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I would drive them out just as he did. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephaniah, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. You know, everybody loves Joshua. Yeah. How could you not like Joshua, you know? <laughs> Bible says here he, was, he waited 45 years to gain his promise of God. Mm. 45, God he was, he, 45 years he was faithful. Come on. He was patient. He wasn't doing it in his old time. He waited and waited. And it, it's an interesting that it was just him and Joshua mm. that actually um, came back the two faithful spies. Mm. And here was Caleb going one faithful spy going to the other faithful spy. Yeah. said, give me that land. You remember it. Mm. You were there when, when it was said. He, uh, he wasn't going to let the moment pass, you know. He was bold. And God admires this boldness. Mm. The communion and power of Jesus, what he did on the cross, we have to take hold of the promises of God. Because Jesus completed the mission. Yes. If we're doubting what Jesus has done, we're, doubt, we're, we're doubting the mission of God. Mm. We cannot doubt what he wants us to do. He wants us to boldly take, claim his promises today. And that can be hard for us on this side of the world. Mm -hmm. We can look maybe at America and say, they're bold, mm. they're aggressive. Yes. That's a spiritual yeah. thing. Right. It's not an American thing. Right. It's a spiritual thing. Right. We've got to be bold. Amen? Yeah. Let's go to one more scripture to close this out. Second Corinthians 1. Second Corinthians 1 verse 20. The Bible says, For no matter how many promises God are made, has made, they are yes in Christ. Amen. You know, Caleb waited 45 years just to get the hill country, which is the most challenging ministry of the day. We have much better, greater promises than, than Caleb. Much greater promises. Bible promises every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Bible promises new life in Christ. Bible promises we bear much fruit. Bible promises all things will work for our good. Bible promises comfort in our trials. Yeah. It promises the Holy Spirit will live in us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He promises peace when we pray. Mm. He will supply all of our needs. He will finish the work He began in us. And we, we will judge angels. We'll eat from the tree of life. We'll have authority over the nations. Mm. We'll have a pillar in the temple of God. We'll sit with Jesus on his throne. These are promises in the Bible. Part of the communion of God is claiming these promises. Mm. Yes. We don't claim these promises today. We're diminishing vi Jesus' victories in our lives. <laughs> We're diminishing Jesus' victories. We look at the young, the early church in the first century. They grew from 120 to 3,000. They grew 25 times in one day. Wow. Wow. We have a plan to grow twice go double in a year yeah. they saw the promise they grabbed the promises of Jesus mm. the cross of Jesus meant something to them amen mm. so don't think about yourself this week think about the cross and the promises of Jesus Christ amen let's pray this time Father God thank you so much God we can take communion now Father yes. to remember what Jesus went through Father because he did it all Father he de completely defeated Satan Father Satan cannot do anything Father he's defeated for all time mm. Father give us the, the hearts of love for Jesus God to claim his promises to go out there today, God, and to, to win London for you, Father. Yes. Have we taken communion at this time? Help us not to be, not to doubt Jesus, God. To doubt what he's done for each one of us. He's won the victory, God. Help us to be overflowing with joy and excitement today yes. and every day for the rest of our lives, Father. Yes. Father, we love you, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we focus on uh, Jesus' victories and... Uh, Take the communion. We're going to sing 423, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. My
that Jesus has achieved for us, you know. Um, if you look at John 15, uh, there's something else that, you know, in, in the victory that Jesus achieved for us, there's something that he intended for us uh, in our response, right? And in verse 11, he says, John 15, I have told you this so that my joy We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one